This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. as long as I've been a player, I always worked on the mechanics of my, of my swing at the plate, always thinking there was something within my mechanics that was causing me to miss the ball. But the thing that I never considered. You're talking about physical mechanics, Yeah, right? physical mechanics. Yeah. The, the thing I never considered was a mental approach at the plate. Tell right. us a little bit about, about the mental approach at the plate. Well, let me start off by saying when I started with pro ball, I felt like after I saw what I was involved with and, and, and how competitive it was, if I didn't hit the ball or make contact any day, I was going to go home. So mine was a matter of survival at that time. Now, I got to back up. I was, at, I was playing during a time where we only had managers. We didn't have a hitting coach. We didn't have a, hit, a catching a guy. We didn't have a hitting guy that, was, went, that went with every team. Now, we had these guys that were in spring training, and that was about the only time we saw them. So we couldn't get a whole lot out of that. All right, so throughout the years, and, and then finally as a coach, I started running into these hitting coaches. And I said, where were you guys when I needed you? Because I felt like the, you know, the outcome would have been a little different had I had a little direction in that, in that realm. Now, what, what I'm going to give you now is something that I've developed on my own but with the help of my own experiences, other professional hitters from the rookie ball to the big leagues, uh, hitting instructors and coordinators and roving hitting guys too. So I've taken all these notes and I've compiled them and consolidated in a, in a, in a, f- uh, a mental process to hit. So basically <clears> – <throat> You want, to, you want to prepare yourself physically. You definitely want to get your swing right because the better the swing, the better opportunity you got of hitting a ball, all right, in spite of who's pitching. So once we're there, you need to, or while you're doing that, you need to work on the mental side. Now, there's, there's, four, <clears throat> there's four places that during your uh, time on the field to, uh, before you at bat to do this. First time, first thing's in a dugout. <clears throat> so when you're dugout, you need to focus on the. Uh, I would focus on the uh, release point of the pitcher, and really focus on that because that's where you're going to see it come from when you get to the plate. Okay, um, and I mean intently focus on that. The second thing is if if the guy is uh, well, well, that's something I'm going to get into next, but. 
what he's throwing to the hitters uh, to lead them off with for the majority of the time, what he's throwing ahead in the count, what he's throwing behind the count, what he's throwing in even counts, and what he's trying to put a guy away with, all right? There's a, that consideration leads to how do you tell? Well, I put pitchers in two categories. You got strike throwers and non-strike throwers, okay? And you're going to see this in the dugout. You're going to hear, why wow, this guy's throwing strikes. We need to get on him quick. Or, why wow, this guy's struggling with his command. You hear that all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay, but you personally have to decide which one that is. So I would uh, advise on a strike thrower, I would advise the hitter to go to the plate, be ready to hit within the first three pitches. The reason being, one, they're going to be strikes, probably. And uh, the first pitch you're, or the second or the third pitch or all three, you're going to, you're, majority of the time you're going to see a fastball. And that's what you want to, that's what you want to be hitting is a fastball. Okay, so <clears throat> let's say we got the other guy. He's got a high pitch count. He's going to too many three-ball counts. And, and uh, his, his pitch count early in the game is really high. So he's walking a lot of guys too. Well, that's a non-strike thrower. So the way I look at this, if you don't get your pitch to hit, you're going to uh, you're going to work the count from one and zero to two and zero to two and one to three and one, which are good hitting counts. And reason being, the pitcher is realized he's in a jam, so he feels like, well, I got to challenge the hitter. So here it comes, you know, right down the middle. See what you can do with it. So what you're going to see in those counts when they're field challenged is the majority of the time you're going to see a fastball. We're talking about the majority of time issues now. This is not going to happen. It's not an absolute. Okay, so you're going to win more than you lose if you do it that way, simply because you're <clears throat> you're following a, a, a very uh, historically uh, a consistent pattern. Okay, so all right, we got strike throwers and non-strike throwers. Well, if this guy's a strike thrower, you you walk into the play, you better be ready to go. So. The first thing in the dugout, you focused on his release point. You're you finding out, well, is he getting ahead of the hitters now, or is he not? Is he walking? Is he, you know, you, you're looking and following what he's doing with every hitter. Okay, so, okay, we got strike throwers and non-strike throwers. Well, this guy is is magnificent strike thrower with nobody on. What is he doing? How is he pitching with a man on base? Where he's got to share his focus with a guy with a hitter and the guy on base, or a guy on first and second, could be a totally different pitcher. It could be, and it changes like that quickly. So you got to be aware of that to see if that's what's going on. All right. So now the guy's gone from a strike thrower to a non-strike thrower. Now we change our our approach. Our approach mentally. Okay. If he's struggling with his command. I might not walk up there and uh, and swing at that first pitch because it might be a ball, probably a ball. And if he's as umpires go, as we spoke of, mm-hmm. if a guy is struggling with his command, he's not going to get any benefit from the umpire. Right. That's all there is to it. Yeah, we've seen that. Right. So um, here's the other thing: uh, it to uh, as you go into that, all right, you know, let the guy could stay the same too. It's just a headstrong guy, he's going to be all right one way or the other. Scouting report should tell you that, though. 
Well, that's a scouting for from before. So you're you're looking at tendencies that's that are strong from past. And so it it does come into play. Yes. All right. So that's what we do in the dugout. Now we go in the hole. In the hole, I want I want the hitters to put their helmet on, put the weight on the bat rack. Excuse me, put the weight on the bat, and and get their gloves on and pine tar on the on the bat and get all that taken care of before you're on deck. Now while you're doing that, you're still watching the pitcher. All right, so we got all the physical stuff taken care of. We're ready to hit. We got all the, all everything we're going to take the plate. It's it's on us right now in the hole. Okay, now you're in. Now you're on deck. This is your opportunity to get in sync with the pitcher. The pitcher's not going to get in sync with you. He's trying to beat you. He's going to probably try to work on your uh, perceived weaknesses in your swing, and exploit them so he can win. So what you're doing now is you're syncing up with the pitcher. Okay, and I mean you got to stand there focused on that release point and everything, and and just following along like you are at the plate. All right. So now it's your turn at bat. Now this is reality. Okay. So you got to have a game plan. So I asked, I asked hitters what your game plan is. And nobody can tell me. I said, well, it's really simple. Your game plan should be hit your pitch until you get two strikes. Okay. And uh, your pitch is that part of the zone you hit the best in. Now I want them looking for a fastball 100% of the time, 100%, and adjust to off speed stuff because you can do it. All right, it takes some practice to do it, but it can be done. So you're looking for a fastball because the majority of the time you're going to see a fastball like 70% of the time. So um, get to the pitcher before he gets to you. Mm-hmm. That means don't get in a two-strike count. That you, well, you are, but when you do that, what happens? You start seeing off-speed stuff. Oh, yeah. Cur- curveball or even bad pitches they're trying to get you to swing at. Right. Things in the dirt. Exactly. So you want to hit your pitch until you get two strikes. Well, let's say you get two strikes. Now, what I would what I would recommend, and it doesn't necessarily have to be this, but there's a two strike approach. Choke up on the bat about an inch. All right, that's for better bat control. Sure. Creep up on the plate a little bit for better plate coverage. All right, right? and and they're going to try to throw you away unless they feel like they can beat you inside. But the majority of the time it's away. So you want to focus on driving the ball, the opposite field. Absolutely. Okay. That, that can be done. If you're a very tentative hitter, it should be done. Okay. If you're aggressive, you don't have to do it, but you got to think about where he's going to pitch you and how you're going to hit the ball. Now I hear a lot of guys say, uh, you know, stay back, let it travel. That kind of stuff. Well, it's, that's a tough thing to – it's kind of general and it's abstract. It's milliseconds. It, exactly. So, fo- basically, I would focus on seeing myself hit the ball to the opposite field first, okay? Unless that 10, 10% of the pitchers you're going to face are going to bust you inside. Sure. So, you probably know who those guys are anyway. Yeah, if you're crowding the plate, you get hit and you're at first base. Well, yeah, well, you get hit, well, you can go to first base yeah. and you're – yeah, rub it for about three or four weeks, yeah. and you'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you get hit in the head, you get knocked out. So, uh, well, that's why that helmet's there anyway. So that's another thing. You look fastball because if you're looking for a curveball and it ain't breaking, you're gonna, you're not going to move, and it's going to hit you right where, where yeah. 
you're right there. So that's why we don't guess at the plate. You look at fastball and you you play the tendencies. It's one and two counties usually throws a breaking ball in this count down and away. So you want to be aware of that, but you don't want to look necessarily for a breaking ball there. You want to look for a fastball mm-hmm. because you might get a fastball down and in too or, or right. even over the middle of the plate and sure. hit it. Yeah. So uh, you're trying uh, – okay, I've, I've got to interject this too. Most guys go to the plate thinking they got to get a hit for the team. Oh, man, I got to get a hit for the team. They're, 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 they're looking for me to do this right now. I can really help out if I get a hit. Well, let's say the guy gets a, hits the ball really good and he gets thrown out. Well, that thought that I had to get a hit, well, I didn't get it, so I'm out. So ver- the next thought is I failed. So mainly we want to change that instead of I got to get a hit to – Watch how hard I hit this one because that's all you can control. I mean, once the pitch is made and once it's contacted with the bat, you no longer have any control over it. That's why 300 average is such a good average, you know, because there's a defense out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there's nobody out there, we'd all be batting a 1,000. Right. <clears throat> so, um, so you want to focus more on the positive stuff, uh, you know, a good at bat. It's, it's going to come down to that that time when it's a 3-2 count with a man on third base and you know and and it's down to if you get a hit you win the ball game or if you don't you lose so what they're going to say is oh joe he he hit that ball good you know but that shortstop caught it and then when he gets the hit and hits it in they're going to say oh joe did that ball hit that ball good well we won the game <laughs> so he's saying the same thing yeah. can the mental experience uh, can the mental approach explain why players have up years and down years? Like Max Muncy had a great couple of years with, with the Dodgers. Right now he's not doing so well. I mean, there was Joe Charbonneau, the, you know. Oh, yeah, the, the, the rookie. The, the with, rookie. With Cleveland. Yeah, that great first year and nothing after that. Can that mental approach have yeah. something to do with that? I think it has a lot to do with it because once you start – failing as far as hits go and you let that bother you then you start changing stuff that you that you don't normally do now with max i've i've watched some videos of him too uh that stuff that you that you normally do is staying on the ball and driving it and he's good at driving the ball the other way too absolutely he was a consummate opposite field hitter when he was at baylor yeah exactly so um what I was seeing is he's coming off the ball just a just a the, the right at the wrong time, right? Versally contact, and so when you got about a quarter of an inch for that bat to contact that ball to make it do what you want it to do, if you're looking off a quarter of an inch, you're going to miss hit it, and if you're looking off more than that, you're going to miss it completely. Okay, so what he's been good at is staying on the ball all the way to contact, and for me. This is just my opinion. After mm-hmm. watching uh, seven or eight games of him hitting, he's looking off the ball right at the wrong time. There was another guy, uh, Mike uh, Napoli, that was with the, the Rangers. The Rangers, who I thought had super bat speed. Yeah, and when it, the the longer he was in the big leagues, I I noticed the more he was coming off the ball a, a little bit late because. I think maybe he's trying to hit it out of the ballpark or, or leading with his head too much. Well, they're all trying to hit it out of the ballpark. 
Well, yeah, that. yeah. Home runs means bigger money, a lot of more money, no matter what your batting average is, and I understand that. Chicks dig the log ball. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah, they do. But uh, uh, but anyhow, that's that's just my opinion on that stuff. So I, uh, basically, uh, if, if you got your head straight, uh, well, look at it like this. This tentativeness, this fear that we have, it's to some degree uh, for each player. It's like if you're walking down the street at night and, you're, and you see an alley. Well, you kind of look in that alley, you can't see what it is. Or you're kind of tentative about walking in front of it. But during the middle of the day, you see nothing's in there. Everything's fine, right? Right. Well, it's probably the same way at night. But it's that, it's that fear. Uh, that's, of the unknown. It, it, yeah, it's that survival mm-hmm. uh, thing that instinct. you're born with yeah, that survival that, instinct survival instinct that you know you it uh you gotta it, you gotta work against it and the more you work more you know the more knowledge you got about your opponent the less that fear and, and comes into play and more determination now one thing we need to add here is to determination trumps fear Okay, it it will beat fear. If you're that solidly determined, you're not going to have any fear. I don't care who's throwing. You're de- you're determined you're going to do your job. So let's replace that fear with determination. Outstanding. Now, you said that you went to the, uh, Major League Spring Training with the Mets several times, and uh, at least one of those years, Nolan Ryan was there. No. Well, oh yeah, it was with Astros. Yeah, oh, it was that's, Astros. Yeah, okay. that's right. Astros. Forgot about the Astros. Yeah, yeah, yeah he tell was. Tell us about your experience with Nolan Ryan at the Astros camp. Well, I got to catch him a few times on the side, but uh, wow. Later on, you know, when I was coaching, he was with the Rangers. I was with the Rangers. There was there was a photo shoot for Sports Illustrated that day, and Tom House and I was just standing there in uniform. You know, I've, everybody had gone. I just wanted to see what they were going to do, and. Tom says, Stan, get a mitt. I need you to catch no. <laughs> I haven't done this in 20 years. But okay, so I said, okay. So I grabbed the mitt. I started catching him. What I didn't grab was a mask. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> that arm was free and easy, and it looked like he was holding a marble when he threw the ball. He's, he's such a big guy, and, you know, I've – Wait, one nearly got by me, and I said, hold on, time out. I looked around. There was a mask there. I said, okay, I put that mask on. I said, all right, let's go. Let her rip. <laughs> but that didn't was, take offense to you putting on the mask? No, no, no. But years earlier when I was playing, he Nolan was a workout. He was a fiend for he was He'd outwork everybody. Absolutely. That's why he played, what, 24 years? Or more, I'm not sure. But in Cocoa Beach, they had a way out there. They had a platform that was uh, at a you know the the ramp was 45 degrees down, and it had astroturf on it, and it would hold a hundred or so ball players that could go up and down that ramp. Now at the top, there was a there was a large platform area where a lot of guys could be up there. So we're going up and down that thing, and that was good exercise. Well, one day after practice, we're all sitting out on the patio eating, and and we see a, a guy with his family and the dog are running up and down this platform. And uh, the 
one of the guys went and got some binoculars. He said, that's Nolan and his family. <laughs> and they didn't do this for 10 minutes. They did this for roughly an hour. And we were, I was like, here we are sitting here eating, you know, stuffing food in our mouth, and he's out there working his tail off. Well, credit to him. That's all I can say. Credit to him, and he's, and he's made exactly everything, you know, that he deserves everything, too. And he's a heck of a guy as well. That'll wrap up this visit to the mound. We certainly appreciate you joining us today for a little baseball talk. Anytime you want to hear something about baseball, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast, or you can go to roguemedianetwork.com for the next edition of A Visit to the Mound.